Welcome back to Silly Breakfast. This is episode 20. We got to episode 20. Today, Salty's uh, on his baby moon, so he will not be joining us, but I have the mustachioed Tyler McPherson on the call with me tonight. He's looking nice and fresh with a mustache. Looking good. Hello. I, I'm really excited to go to... Uh, I played softball the other day in this mustache. I didn't play particularly well, but uh, I did have a mustache while doing it, so I'm excited to go to a game this weekend and with the mustache and see how it lives. Nice. That's exciting. So we're going to skip what you got tonight because we're just going to do a short episode and we're just going to start by talking about the Barstool situation. So if you're not familiar, Barstool Sports, the media company, um, had sold to Penn National, um, the gambling uh, company, for $551 million. I mean, I think the, they just finished completing it uh, like this this year, um, the, the sale. But thing is, they ended up selling it back to Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, for $1, a non-compete, and 50% of proceeds if, they, if he was to sell again. Um, so essentially, he got it back for legalities and a dollar, which is just absolutely insane after selling it for $551 million. So pretty much him and all those people that had equity in the company got paid big time, huge turn in obviously i'm guessing big cat kfc all those guys got paid huge money and yeah now it's back to them it's solo owned by dave he owns 100 percent of the company i believe at this point um but the reason is is because penn is partnering with espn and obviously disney and espn want nothing to do with barstool so they pretty much were forced to sell so Barstool was able to, I mean, Portnoy was able to just to get it back for nothing because it was pretty much a moot point. They couldn't, they could, like, they they had no, they had no leverage in it. So he pretty much got it back for nothing. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. So I just want to hear your thoughts on the whole situation, Tyler. It's it's straight out of succession. Uh, Tom Wamsgams just pulled off the the unassisted triple play, and and is now the CEO of Barstool Sports. You know. He backed into a situation where he made hundreds of millions of dollars built off from a lot of hard work, sold the company, and within maybe six months of the completion of the sale and not no longer being in ownership, they gave it back to him for a dollar. Um, it's definitely Disney pulling the strings here. They didn't want to be attached. There's a whole lot of talk about this being a Disney bailout, essentially that they wanted to get into the gambling space in some sort of safe way. Um, and ESPN was the only way to do it. Um, and ESPN and Disney didn't even want to be tangentially uh, connected to the Barstool brand. And so they probably could have sold it, but they needed the deal to happen very quickly so they had to just get rid of it and dump it and take a earnings loss. I think that they, they evaluated the loss at $800 million. Holy shit. Just imagine being an investor prior to Barstool and everything and just watching a company and your investment uh, piss away nearly a billion dollars on a three-year marketing campaign that didn't end up panning out. Barstool was by far the lowest on the sports books. Uh, but uh, apparently they're up. The 
the investors like it and Wall Street likes it. And so the numbers are up. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely wild. I mean, going back to the Barstool uh, app, it was definitely the worst. Uh, actually, maybe not the the worst, but one of the worst sports books apps there was. Um, you know, they did not have very good you know incentives for for starting up, and just the the book itself was trash. Uh, it was definitely one of the worst. It's like not even close to the that of FanDuel or DraftKings or anything like that. I even liked something like Caesars or BetMGM way more. But uh, I mean, I think Win is probably the worst one I've used. It's really, really bad. But uh, Barstool was down there for sure. Well, I think the whole idea and the whole thing that they sold them on is that they have this rabid fan base of people that were interested in gambling content would spend hundreds of millions of dollars um, at their casinos. But Barstool is so loud and proud in the Northeast and on the internet that I think that the scope of how they actually are perceived when it comes to the rest of the country is, is a lot smaller than that. And it's a smart idea for Penn because ESPN is the name in sports. And that's the name that your 55 year old uncle who shows up in his like air monarchs, he he's going to, he's going to know sports only through the ESPN scope and watching sports center and putting that on, on rotation with Fox news or CNN based on his political leanings. Um, ESPN puts out 24 hours of content every single day on three different network cable, at least three different network cable sites <laughs> every single day. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, a, it's a massive operation, massive operation. And you imagine the amount of clicks. I still go to ESPN.com all the time to check on little things. And I know there are better sites for it, but just the fact that it's all in one site. Um, I'm a lifelong ESPN watcher. Um, I, I really did fall off in the last year or so, but watching SportsCenter has become a task but something that helps me catch up on the rest of sports especially as a young father and somebody that can only pay half attention to a lot of things yeah i just i'm really intrigued to see how people like you know kornheiser and wilbon like you know people who aren't really in the betting space at all like just like you know pti in particular like the old souls of the espn world like how they respond like you know the, some of the older people on around the horn like i i feel like they aren't gonna really jive with it and i could see espn getting a lot of new blood i mean one huge thing that happened obviously in the past few months is their deal with pat mcafee and this makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> Giving him all that money. Like that that's a they they offered him a ton of money and you know they got rid of some top tier guys. I mean, obviously, you know, the NBA analysts are all different now. They got rid of Ben Gundy and Mark Jackson. But I mean, they paid they paid a lot of money for Pat McAfee, and this is why. Is because he is in the gambling space and they want him in the gambling space. Yeah, it seems as though uh, they really want to. D they really wanted to make themselves uh, more viable by a company. They lost top tier talent a lot. I'm not a huge uh, JVG fan or any of the people that they did end up letting go, but that was their higher cost talent, and so it seemed like they were letting off talent at a very high rate to make themselves more viable. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree on JVG. I'm a huge fan. I love the Van Gundys. Big fan of those. But Mark Jackson, I could care less about. Um, they, they're just they, their chemistry is so awkward on those broadcasts. But I think Jeff Van Gundy actually knows what he's talking about a lot of time, even though he complains a lot and has little conjecture and stuff like that. But he really does know what he's talking about on the basketball court. Like he points, he's he's one of the few guys that actually points out stuff that you don't see on the court until he points it out, which, I, which is why I like him. I, I, mine's just blind Celtics hatred. He hates the Celtics. He will never call a game fairly in any game that the Celtics play on a national broadcast ever. Well, we got Doris Burke coming, who is obsessed with Jason Tatum. So I think I think, uh, I, I think um, a lot of I, I I I love Doris Burke, but maybe it's because I'm a Celtics fan, and she obviously like has. She definitely like praises Jason Tatum a lot, but I know some fans of other teams that can't stand Doris Burke and I don't get it. I think she's wonderful, but I guess a lot of people in other parts of the country don't think Doris Burke is all that like Bucks fans and, uh, you know, certain fans of certain fan bases, but the Nick Adams of the world, the Sigma males, you know, they don't really like to listen to a woman speak while they're watching basketball. I don't know how it's possible to dislike Doris Burke. She's perfectly, innocuous like she's yeah i agree what she does and but she doesn't overstep in any way there are a lot of people that don't like joe buck who i'm perfectly okay with he has a big game i like joe voice. buck too uh people don't like joe buck because he doesn't get excited over plays because of certain reasons uh because he's so used to calling world series games and whatnot that calling a generic game I don't think that Doris Burke has any quirks that I dislike. She's perfectly okay, if not above average. And it's it's really refreshing to hear, hear a female voice on the broadcast. I do find that the people that complain about Doris Burke, either on the internet or in my personal life, are uh, Andrew Tate, uh, Sigma male follower type people. And uh, I, I don't I, I don't place a whole lot of value in that. Yeah, I hear you. Well, so let's go back to Barstool for a minute, because what do you what do you see for the company at this point? Like, obviously, like they're going to kind of let a little little more risky blogs and videos go go on now without pen breathing down their neck. Like, I think they already hired back that Mincy guy who got caught, I think, saying the N-word or something like that in the venue and and like doing a rap or whatever. Uh, But it seems like they're going to like kind of try to bring it back to maybe some old school bar stool stuff, which I don't know if it'll work or, you know, garner any more interest in the site. I feel like they are a company that's like, you know, aside from maybe like pardon my take and some, 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 like some characters, like I kind of feel like they're a little hard capped on how popular they can even get because of the polarizing nature of their company. Definitely. But, um, like, I, I don't know. I don't see a ton of room for growth. And if they're not going to sell it, I feel like they just got to, they can just coast along and do their thing. But at the same time, I feel like that means they're going to have to start laying some people off because they have a lot of people and a lot of people came in under pen and they have a lot, lot of talent on that. And I, I, I don't say talent as in they're talented. They just have a lot of talent <laughs> in the, like a lot of workers for the company. And I don't see that lasting. I don't know about you. I'm somebody that consumes some barstool content, uh, not as much as some, probably more than others. Uh, I don't watch the pizza reviews. I'm not a Dave Portnoy fan. 
Um, I will say that I'm a Frank the Tank fan. I was talking to you about it a couple weekends ago. I just find him to be absolutely delightful in in a really endearing way about the things that he cares about and the way that he cooks food. And it's just such a delight to watch him cooking food and drinking sodas. But I, I do think that this spells bad news for them. Um, you think about when Gawker shut down, Gawker deadspin, it didn't seem like they were ever going to go away. They had a national national media profile. They were breaking big news. They broke the Manti Teo story, uh, among others. And they disappeared so quickly after the Hogan suit. All the workers left the Gawker Media and the larger parent company and started their own company run one defector but you don't hear much from defector even if you were a fo- were or are a follower of those writers it's all behind a paywall and it's very similar to the athletic there's so much free content on the internet these days that nobody's willing to go behind the paywall unless they absolutely have to yeah i i was someone that was subscribed to the athletic for a long time or, you know, when they first came out and for certain people, but I, I got, I canceled my subscription. I, there's just, it's just too easy to get content. And the number one thing I follow, I, I wanted out of the athletic is football and the athletic football show is free on podcast apps. And Robert Mays is my favorite podcaster and they, and Nate Tice is amazing. They have too much information. I don't need to subscribe to them. They have all the information on their podcast. I, I've i toyed with the idea of subscribing here and there. I was a journalism student in college. I, I like good writing. It's just not anything that's super worth it to me. All the articles that are behind the paywall aren't worth $4 for me to read uh, and to pay for a whole month. So I just never go behind the paywall on anything. And my guess is that if Barstool can't monetize their gambling content in any significant way with any of the bet betting apps, that they're going to have to lean into something completely different. And they did it forever, so maybe they'll be able to recapture Lightning. But I just don't see it lasting longer term with a lot of overhead and a lot of big contracts. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm really intrigued to see how long they can last, like, at least like at, 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 you know, at the status they are. Um, I can see them kind of, you know, you know, they obviously moved offices a little bit. They have the New York office. They have um, the Chicago office now. And I could see them shrinking those down a little bit and kind of going from there and just, you know, producing as much content with fewer people as they can just to get the numbers you know, right enough to make money for everyone. And I think that's about it. Like, you know, obviously pardon my take. They, I think, I think that it's passed a billion downloads um, on their podcast, but something like that will stay around as long as big cat and PFT wants it to. It's the number one sports podcast and has been, you know, for the past, what, five years or so. Um, I don't think anyone's come close to topping it. Not even Levitard when he, you know, started his own company with Meadowlark. Not Bill Simmons, who is obviously you know the Podfather and you know the first real big sports podcaster. It's just no, like no one's no no one's gotten to the level of PMT really in the sports world. Um, to- 
they get very aw shucksy with themselves. What do you mean? The the PMT guys took years for them to actually acknowledge that they're the number one sports podcast in the world and will be every time that they have. They have hundreds of millions of downloads. And if they wanted to decouple from Barstool, if they wanted to have done that a while ago, they would have gotten a bag like the Caller Daddy. They would have gotten a bag like Joe Rogan. Nobody can com- compete with them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look what look what Bill Simmons got two hundred million dollars for his entire company. PMT could probably get two hundred million dollars for just the podcast. And maybe I can like definitely- their sister podcast, like the Yak and uh, uh, Macrodosing and stuff like that. I can definitely see. Big Cat and PFT making the Chicago move become one that's very similar to Dan Patrick. And Dan Patrick had a, he, when he left ESPN, he started his own crew and it's kind of how Pat McAfee created his own crew very much in that, in that same vein. But Dan Patrick has just been independent for as long as I can remember. And he's on radio every single day. He has his own crew. He has his own little studio that he does things out of that's very close to his house. And he's incredibly popular still to this day. He still gets the talent. And I think he lives somewhere where it's not super accessible, too, for them to get the interviews that they get. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's like thinking about this, it makes me think of like the ringer and like, I mean, Spotify has definitely not made their money back on the investment (laughs) that they made into that company because I mean, they have some really popular podcasts. They have like one of the top movie podcasts. They have obviously like I've all the TV podcasts and everything with the watch and the Ringerverse and all that stuff. And they obviously have, you know, Rusillo, who's, you know, a top 15 sports podcaster out there um, numbers wise. But and he's sometimes like even top five depending on the episode. But I still feel like Spotify has not made the money back on that investment uh, that they gave to Bill Simmons. Like it just just doesn't seem likely. Definitely not. Who who knows? I mean, it was all funny money for a little bit there. Um, I did recently. Somebody had shown me or I heard somewhere that Tim Heidecker was doing a Joe Rogan since the Spotify move impression. And it was just a one hour loop of him talking to another comedian and asking where they met each other. And I've never watched Joe Rogan. I've never heard a second of his podcast other than maybe one second clips on the internet or a few second clips And Tim Heidecker did a 12-hour podcast that he released that was just one hour on loop of him talking to two other comedians about where they met and talking about how strong other comedians were. (laughs) I love Tim Heidecker. He's so fucking funny. And and I think think Joe Rogan is a not smart politically, but he he got a bag for an incredibly popular podcast that panders to a bunch of idiots on the internet yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so i think that's gonna pretty much wrap up the talk for the podcast today but i want to do one little silly breakfast with tyler if we have time and i just want to ask you if silly breakfast 
were to get, say, acquired by one of these media companies, Barstool, Metalark, Ringer, uh, Wondry or something like that, which one would you choose? If say you could choose, like you, like they're all after you, like they're all after us. Like if if you could get our under one of those umbrellas, which one would you pick? I'm gonna let you go first uh, because my answer is Caller Daddy. Call, call her Daddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just you just want to be under Caller Daddy. You're just like the silly breakfast daddy. Yeah, silly breakfast daddy. Yeah. Uh, so I I thought a lot about this. Um, and I don't listen to Levitar really anymore. I haven't for a while. Um, Metalark has been acquiring a lot of talent and I don't really know. Like, I don't think they do a good job promoting their talent because I don't see, like, I follow a lot of the people from Metalark and I don't see like clips. I don't, I barely see clips. I barely see promotion of their talent and their like shows aside from like Levitar and Stugatz. Like, I just don't see it. So I'm definitely not doing Metalark because I just don't think they are promoting their people enough, especially, you know, if we were to get acquired and we'd be nobodies. Um, but Barstool does a really good job promoting podcasts, in my opinion. I think they do a really good job. Like a lot of their podcasts have like subreddits and like, you know, just really strong followings. But I think that more has to do with the rabid fan base of Barstool where they just will they will just devour anything Barstool. So yeah. I'm not picking them either. I'm going to go with my favorite podcaster. I'm going to, I'm going to go under Bill Simmons network because you know, there's plenty of people that talk a little bit of everything, but they're definitely more specialized and we're not necessarily a specialized podcast. So I think we could fit into a new kind of realm of the ringer network where we talk everything. We talk all sports, um, college pros, all sports and pop go and like, you know, movies and stuff like that. Like Russo does a little bit like he had the guy, the guy who wrote killers of the flower moon on today, which is a good podcast, but he, he's pretty much only talking football and basketball and same with Simmons. Like they only talk that we want to talk a little bit, a little bit of everything. So I feel like we could actually do well under something like the ringer where we could really just talk podcasts about everything like in life and just sports and pop culture in general. Like, I think we really have people that here in this podcast that really know a ton about a lot of subjects. So what do you got, Tyler? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I agree. I think that the ringers business model has always been to have very specialized podcasts and it's almost to a detriment of them that they try to put everything into little compartments and maybe it's Bill Simmons OCD. Uh, maybe it's uh, just the the way that things work over there. But they always very much like to have people put into certain buckets. And I think that's part of the reason that Titus and Tate didn't really work there. Is that Titus and Tate wanted to have, they want to do college basketball, but they also don't want to just be the college basketball guys. For the yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, for me, this is a very strange one, but it's one that I think, I think anyone could be successful on this network, and if they deem that you were cool enough to be on the network, you would you would get infinite amount of clicks. And it's the Two Bears One Cave. They have infinite amount of money. And I'm not the biggest Burt Kreischer fan. I think Tom Segura is very funny. I think his new special is very funny. 
but they both are very interested in sports, but they don't have any sports affiliations right now. I think that they have a ton of money that they want to throw at people that they think are talented and that they can help grow. And if you are ever just scrolling on YouTube, Bert Kreischer has broken the algorithm on there. He can tell the machine story 15 times on 15 different podcasts and they all have 8 million views. Yeah, it's crazy. I understand where you're coming from because I don't like Bert Kreischer. I have no interest in watching his movie. Um, I've seen the machine. I've seen some of his stand up. I don't think he's very funny. Tom Segura, I'm with you on that. I think he's a funny guy. But yeah, those guys just raking dough, just talking bullshit, and it's absolutely amazing. Like what what they what they're able to do. Like they 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 have so many people like watching and listening to their content, and it's just all nonsense. And I love it. And they do they do have a podcast network. They do run a or control a few podcasts underneath them. I'm not sure which ones they do, but I know that they have affiliations where they're kind of the, the overseers of the business. Okay. I did not know that. Um, and they do have one of the funniest clips I've ever seen and they're big on PMT. And that's kind of how I got affiliated with the little bits of clips. The algorithm started putting me into it. It's that Tom Segura and Bert are best friends. They podcast. And they're both they're both uh, stand up comedians, and they have this thing where they give each other birthday gifts that are increasing in value and importance to each other every single year, and it's gotten to the point where they're giving each other one point five million dollar gifts. But there is that clip out there where Tom Segura gives him a teacup. And they're drinking out of it, and he he's slowly telling him the story, and it's Adolf Hitler's uh, teacup <laughs> that he paid like seven hundred thousand dollars for, or something for him. So he has like Adolf Hitler's teacup set that he gave him as a gift for his birthday at one point. That's amazing. I like it. That, that's good. That's a good answer. I didn't even have them on my radar, so I like that answer a lot. Um, so yeah, it's just a little short episode. We just wanted to talk about the Barstool acquisition. We'll be hopefully back next week with everyone. Um, so well, thank you for listening to another episode of Silly Breakfast. And we love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.